Yes, sir. Yes, sir. The man wanted to ride. What did he do? Swing down, sweet down. If you're feeling my vibe, then we can all just ride. If you want to get down, then we can all just ride. I'm going to throw your hands up high and just ride. Where you're from, east side or west side, just ride. I'm going to from uptown. Hey, Ryan, how you doing? Hey, good. How are you? Can you hear me? I can. I can. Uh, just for all the listeners out there, I um, I apologize. I understand that there were different there was different feedback both Ryan and I got that uh, whether I was making tea or I was like smashing glass around, but uh, I was actually just consuming my Japanese whiskey and I do have it on a uh, coaster this time, so that's why we no longer need to hear the glass. So that's your is that your drink of choice? Uh, yeah, I had, I picked up Japanese whiskey in uh, when I was living in Singapore, um, and it's, it's definitely reasonably pop- popular here. I got it at Costco. Um, I'm not going to share which brand because if anybody wants sponsorship, they can reach out to us and we'll give them some airtime. But uh, <laughs> but uh, it's good. It goes down easy. I do I do enjoy it. You know. So yeah, uh, we didn't actually share a little bit about who we are, maybe like just a couple sentences, just, um, just to just kind of kick it off. I think like, I mean, I, I'm Jason and, uh, Ryan, um, we've known each other since we were in primary school. So it goes back a long ways. And, uh, yeah. And, and you reached out to me because, uh, we kind of would always just periodically, whenever we did have banter, it was always like really like interesting. We could kind of go toe to toe with each other about whatever sports topic. And then, uh, both have a love of basketball so we just thought we'd share our conversations you know yeah i think we met i believe it was a grade four three split so those keeping score i'm a yeah for those keeping score i'm a year older than jason um but i still think i copied off you for some reason so (laughs) um yeah it's it's funny primary school from um i guess not such a little town anymore it's Okay. Oakville, Oakville, Ontario has population of one hundred twenty thousand, so it's your yeah um, basic big town next to a big city, right? Part yeah. of a larger of metropolitan. Area. I thought it was kind of a nice pretext as to kind of why we uh, would talk about um, we're about to talk about today. So, well, yeah, because it was the yeah this year was the twenty fifth anniversary yeah. of Toronto of the Toronto Raptors franchise and um so i remember it being i remember when the raptors won their championship and the following year was going to be their 25th anniversary and i was already thinking of who my 25 top raptors would be and then sure enough our local um publications um sports and and um tsn pretty much our you know version of espn and fox sports maybe uh, came out with their list, and um, it's just kind of interesting how our list, maybe yours and mine, will differ, and for what reasons. And we never really know what the criteria is when you yeah. say twenty-five <laughs> grades. What yeah. the hell does that even mean? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, uh, I mean, that certainly because of the Raptors championship year last year. I mean, that definitely. There was a lot of even I mean even like the jump with Rachel Nichols and whoever she had on that kind of came up a little bit about who's the best of all time to wear that uniform or to to be on that court and there are different ways you can look at it and uh, just winning it I mean it, it was a bit of a capstone achievement just you mentioned twenty five years uh, 
And it's a long time. And it's a bit like, uh, it's almost like graduating college. Um, so, mm-hmm. and that's how it's kind of, we'll, we'll go into the rankings, how we ranked the players a bit, but if it's okay, I just want to like, for whoever's not necessarily familiar with the Raptors or Toronto, um, I just wanted to like give a bit of a overview about how, like how, how kind of this, this, what the story of the franchise is, franchise is. Cause I think like when I think of the Raptors, um, I think of it as like a coming of age story. Like me and you, we were in uh, middle school, I think, like when uh, they came about, right? So mm-hmm. we have grown up with the Raptors. The Raptors has grown up with us. And so we've seen it from the beginning. And it to us, it's always going to mean something different than any other future generation because we've seen it from the start. And in, in, a, in kind of stepping even farther back, I think like the Raptors, the story of the Raptors actually kind of somewhat parallels the story of Toronto as the city, like from the, from the, if we look at what it is from the eighties, nineties and onward, like it's the city that was young and growing and it became more and more diverse. Like, you know, people forget, but Canada, when they started just liberalizing immigration laws and who they were sort of looking at and bringing into the country, it was really from that point when it just, became much more diverse and, and you just it became, it started to move in that direction and you can see it in the fan base the fan base grew, who like me and you we grew up with it and then we grew older and we started to bring that into our, our households newer people started moving to the country and their kids started watching and so finally at this point it's this really mature fan base and, and you see that ESPN will always during their broadcast in the finals they would talk about how it went from nobody really knew what the sport was like that's how they perceived it. I don't know if that's one hundred percent true. It fits their narrative to what it is now, where you have like Jurassic Park outside of the outside of the outside of the arena during games. Now, just a, a little trip down memory lane. Um, it's the in the beginning you had uh, Isaiah Thomas being brought out as the GM, which was a bit of a coup at the time. Like he, he was a very reputable mind and actually he maybe doesn't get enough credit for the different draft picks and different decisions he's made as a front office executive be it with the raptors or the knicks or wherever else he's worked um they they put up put up the name to a vote because we're trailing jurassic park the toronto raptors name wins out on the vote and so to me that's still one of the wildest stories that you can kind of come up with that we decided to just put it out to a vote to whoever who may not really watch basketball and then they just came up with whatever was the popular movie character at the time um and it's stuck it's what it is now it's it's going to be in the books forever now um then there goes through another period where it's it's rob babcock and it's a it's you know it starts off kind of hot um, there's some, some energy cause there's a bit of early success. Then it hits a bit of a dry period. And then we start to head under a period run by Brian Colangelo, who decides he's going to move, hopefully kind of targeting a bit of a different direction as to how they're marketing the team. They're trying to call it Canada's team. They change the colors. They try to start higher, um, signing on international players. Um, cause you know, I think there was a bit of the way they were marketing the team was, okay, well, we're not an American team and American players don't want to come here. Cause I think in the early days there were different players who, and I can't quite remember who was off the top of my head, just bring comments that uh, X player was reluctant to come. They were concerned that their kids were going to fall behind because they had to study the metric system. Some others were well, upset. Alonzo, they... 
Okay. Yeah, Alonzo okay. Mourning and Alonzo okay. Mourning and Kenny Anderson. Um, yeah. They refused that trade, yeah. the Vince Carter trade. So um, right. you had two former All Stars, <laughs> Anderson and Mourning, who refused right. to suit up at all for Toronto Raptors. And so, thank, thanks for the clarification there. Um, you had others upset when they turned on the TV and the um, like when they were kind of uh, just resting and they realized they don't have any American channels. You had others who were just bewildered why they seemed French around them and that to them was really foreign. So overall, a lot of players who were born in the 70s and 80s were just not very familiar with Toronto. Then a pivotal moment happens around 2012 where there is a sale. The teacher's pension plan, renowned company, very respectable in their own right, but maybe not necessarily best suited to run a professional sports team. They sell it. They sell their majority stake off to... BCE and Rogers, which is basically our big telcos like Verizon and AT&T. So it's a joint, it's a joint venture that they're going to basically acquire, which is a bit forward looking kind of at that time thinking, okay, these telcos are now going to try and acquire content. They bring in Tim Laiwiki, who had been involved with the Lakers and AEG down in LA to kind of oversee what would be a culture change. So they basically switch out Brian Colangelo, bring in Masai Ujiri. They signed Drake as a, as a global ambassador. He's on the payroll. Drake, we we can talk about him later on, but, or maybe even another Boring. podcast. But, <laughs> okay, yeah. we might have to then because I I think that there's a really interesting element there. Um, mm-hmm. Completely rebranding, just changing, just a change in how the team was being marketed and perceived. This is coupling in now. This is about the 2010s. Now we talked about how the Toronto as a city grew. Like I've I had moved out of Canada at that point. I was living in Singapore, and. What I noticed from afar, and I've come back to visit every few years, was like just these mentions of Toronto, just prominence, whether it's guys on CNBC who were based in Toronto giving commentary or different people I'd met in business who were saying, I'm flying to Toronto for a business trip. Now, I don't think that was necessarily the case in the 80s and 90s. What happened was Toronto sort of just grew and came into its own. And when I came back a few years ago, there was a certain swagger about it. And NBA players now, you don't hear those same complaints. Now, there might be complaints about the weather. You'll never be able to control that. There might be complaints about um, whether or not um, they just maybe want to live in a big market. That's going to be like New York or LA. But you know what? That's not a Toronto thing. That's like they would have that same objection to living in in Indiana then at the same thing. So there's always going to be that. But I think that there is definitely a cachet about Toronto that's in place now. And it is um, so. I think when I just think of the Raptors, and I see that emergence. It sort of goes hand in hand with the emergence of Toronto as a global city. So, and I think that in some ways you can kind of see the parallel. Like when we go through the players now, you'll see like okay, like here's here's the baby Raptors. Here's like the teenage Raptors. This is it. Now this this is where we get to like the grown up Raptors. So that we kind of see that. Um, Anything you want to add on or anything you think that maybe like, yeah, I'm just trying capture. to, um, yeah, I'm trying to play along. I, Isaiah Thomas was a great GM. Yeah. His okay. first three draft picks was, was what? Stoudemire, Canby, McGrady. I mean, those are yeah. three home runs yeah. right then and there. It's really good. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, um, <laughs> and um, yeah, I hated, I still hate the name Raptors. And when you say the Raptors <laughs> are going to stick forever, I actually hope that does change. Um, okay. <laughs> It's, it's just a terrible just name to dinosaur, them, right? Like you could have got away with it. Uh, I mean, earlier. you. I mean, think about. I mean, WWF was WWF for forty years, and then they go back to WWE, and no one would bat an eye if they went back to WWF. So, I think from a branding standpoint, um, the, I mean, 
well, bullets turn into wizards and hornets turn into grizzlies and Pikachu's turn. I mean, you can name your, your, your team, anything. Um, we can even call it the 49th or whatever the heck the parallel is that <laughs> separates Toronto from the United States. I think, listen, I'm not going to dwell over the name. It is what it is, but I, I, I was never proud of that name. I like the Argonauts. <laughs> I like the Blue Jays. I like the Maple Leafs. Um, but you also have to understand that Toronto did break in the same year that the Vancouver Grizzlies broke in. So, yeah. and if you, if you look at their early logos, the first, uh, oh, the Grizzlies logos and the Raptors logos, they were very cartoonish. Just it's these the most right loud, like it's oh, the most terrible. symbolic thing of the nineties. It's, it's right up there with NSYNC and like, or uh, Backstreet Boys mm-hmm, and uh, mm-hmm, Spice Girls. Mm-hmm. Just the cartoonishness and the, the loudness of the logos. Yeah. 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 So uh, you'll, you'll probably, you'll probably, um, you'll probably notice in the way I discuss my list that I actually don't have a problem with any of the GMs, whether it's Thomas and then Grunwald and then Brian Colangelo, Babcock, sorry. Yes. Babcock, then Brian Colangelo, and then now Masai Ujiri. Um, I think there's an evolution to all of them. And I think they each all serve their purpose. Okay. And I, I actually like, I'm, how should I say this? I'm proud of the Brian Colangelo era believe it or okay. not, because okay. it was, um, he was in many ways, I don't think you get Masai Ujiri without Brian Colangelo coming in and being this good looking, um, the name Colangelo had a pedigree in, yep. in NBA history. He yeah, was the does. first, yeah, it still does. And even though whatever burner accounts he's doing these days, I mean, he's, he's, um, <laughs> yeah. he's, um, he brought a legitimacy to it. I was genuinely excited when, whoa, we're getting the Phoenix Suns guy here yeah. in Toronto, really? I mean, that was the first okay. time that we weren't going to get some some guy who was maybe a, a third assistant to a GM as okay. the Raptors GM. I mean, he was uh, he was well, the first guy with cachet to really okay. break in. So, um, anyways. Well, let me jump. Uh, yeah. like, I'll just, I'll, what I'll say is um, one of the other themes of this that we'll see is I think it's a real lesson in culture and people and how that really matters to the success of an organization. Um, because there were misses along the way. And actually, I think maybe that's almost diving into a different podcast. So I will, I will hold off going too deep into it. Um, okay. But, but uh, what, um, what we want to do is we're going to later post our top 25, as Ryan mentioned, um, we're going to, dive in and go through our, our top 10 kind of draft style. Cause I, and I'm, and I am really curious about this because I think if anything, like, because me and you go back and forth on a lot of stuff and, and you have a, I think you're almost more of a purist, a sports purist than me. That's kind of the impression I get. We'll, we'll find out as the weeks go on, but so I'm, I'm curious where you're going with it. Um, before you do, I just want to, there's one thing to just cap off, like kind of, this is the legacy of the Raptors at, at present. This is what they stand for is, Zero retired jerseys, three players who ever scored 50 points, five players to ever make All-NBA, nobody in the first team, one player to make defensive second team. That's the only defensive teams that they've had. Seven All-Stars. And um, yeah, that, that's kind of like the, uh, that's like the, the big highlights that kind of came to me when I, I wanted to like look into this a bit further. And I think to be honest, like, you're more informed, I think, on all the different players. I had to kind of re- try and recall my memory a bit. I'm definitely more, I have a better memory from the Colangelo era onward, 
the stuff a bit earlier. So I'm, I'm a bit hazy. Are we, are we counting? Well, Tracy McGrady's in the hall of fame. Where do you, but you're saying that as a Toronto Raptor, he had zero all-star. Is, is that where we're going um, with a guy like Tracy McGrady? Yeah. Like he wasn't an all, he wasn't a Raptor when he made the uh, all-star team. He would start. He had already. Yeah. So I just kind of was okay. looking, okay, what are the team achievements and who are these, who are these players? So that's, that's where it was. <clears throat> um, but you're right. Yeah. He is in the hall of fame and he was a Raptor. Um, I, I didn't I didn't capture like the categories of Hall of Famers. Um, we can dive into it. We can dive into the players. Just question. So before we do, um, uh, I know we're gonna first start off kind of with some honorable mentions. But uh, can you tell me like how did you like prioritize your list? Like what are the kind of factors that you take into account when you wanted to kind of like rank the guys? How did you think of it? Very good question. I um, I looked at a few things. Um, tenure. Um, I looked at stats, impact on the city. Um, because the word greatness is obviously hard to define. So um, yeah. I might have a 23rd ranked Raptor. Okay. And I'm comparing him to who I slot at number 11. And they're both point right. guards. I, okay. I'm picking which point guard I want. Okay. Court. Okay. That's, that's, that's kind of how I did it. So, okay. It's Fair not enough. a science, but yeah. Mm. That's, um, it's interesting. I didn't, so here's how I looked at it. Kind of here's what I, I care about. I cared about winning. I cared about individual accolades. Like, like what kind of achievements did you have whether it was a certain record or it was an all-star appearance or whatever i cared about pioneers because i think that um we talked about the early days and they left a real maybe as a bias they left a really impression on me when they were like in the beginning so definitely guys who had success earlier on when there's no infrastructure there's you're still building out what a team and a coaching staff and all that stuff is supposed to be in a fan base so i kind of uh i mean we had a bit of a soft spot there um and then you mentioned uh yeah like what they kind of meant for the community and that, that left a, if they left a mark, then I, uh, I did consider that as well, you know? So those are the big things I cared about. Fair enough. So we would, uh, do you want to, so let's, let's dive into a little bit now. The, uh, the honorable mentions, like kind of guys who were from 11 to 25, who, anybody you want to comment on anything, any stories you mentioned, want to mention? Uh, just bear with me a second. Let's see who I've got here. Um, yeah, I mean, I have Damon Stottlemyre as okay. number 21. And okay. I know that, yeah, and he was um, the very first uh, pick by the Raptors. Okay. Um, he was the rookie of the year, I believe. He was the rookie yeah. of the All-Star game. Um, so yeah, I think Damon Stottlemyre just has a soft spot for everyone. Mighty Mouse, he kind of... Um, Kind of was the little engine that could what I think Kyle Lowry turned into. Okay, I believe Kyle Lowry turned into an upgraded version of Damon Stoudemire. Right. What, what we see Stoudemire, in a smaller yeah. point guard, and yeah, like, so I mean, Damon, go ahead. Yeah, Damon, like, um, he was really good. I mean, I remember mm -hmm. he brought in fans, like, he actually got booed when he got. I mean, it wasn't, ah, uh, yeah, that was Toronto, they did the draft in the Skydome, I believe. Um, and he got, he got booed. booed, yeah, he got booed. Um, I mean, and but he, you know, performed, uh, as you mentioned, 
won rookie of the year. Like I remember thinking, okay, this, and you don't, I mean, at that age, I didn't have any point of comparison. All I remember was at that time, okay, well, the Jays were fresh off back-to-back world series, rel- like relatively recently, the Leafs, I mean, I knew as much about hockey as kind of what classmates were sharing. And okay, the Leafs were actually a good team at that time with Doug Gilmore. So I'm like, okay, yeah, Toronto teams are supposed to win. Like I didn't realize what the actual history of Toronto sports teams actually is. And so when you see Damon Stoudemire and those teams, uh, so there's Raptors, you're like, okay, yeah, they're going to be good. Like that was, they were one of the wins in the 72-10 Bulls season, right? Those 10 losses, one of them was against that that Raptors team. Yeah, they, that, that was the game yeah. that um, Damon played really well. I remember... Um, Oliver Miller getting in uh, Bill Wellington's face. And then Michael Jordan had the turnaround fade for the win. But um, I think it went no, last no, well, out. Just great okay, the, Well, they mm-hmm. played them more than once. But at least one of the one of the 10 losses the Bulls had was against that Raptors team. So, I mean, like, they, they were – they had fight in them. They were feisty. So Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so – Damon Stoudemire stands out for me. Okay. Any anyone else in that uh, twenty-five to eleven for you? Yeah, well, like I'll, I'll um, I don't have lots to say about them, but I, I got, I got six names. I was just gonna, sorry, seven names. I'm just gonna mention and kind of just feel sure. brief on them. Like, I got Jose Calderon, I got Terrence Ross, Norman Powell, Anthony Parker, Tracy McGrady, Lou Williams, and Charles Oakley. Like, for me, like. There, I, I, the reason I highlight them particularly, and it's not in any specific order. It's just that. Jose Calderon, like maybe it's because I got kind of soft spots, soft spots for these guys, right? Like they kind of touched something with me. Like Jose Calderon, consistent leader. He was there for a long time. Just a uh, te- good teammate, was always contributing. He didn't, he was always somehow in point guard battles, like for his starting spot with TJ Ford and later with Jared Jack. And then somehow Jared Bayless is getting in there. Like he never lost his school. He just sort of did his, did his thing until he eventually got traded. I would have liked for him to be more aggressive. He wasn't my favorite player, but I respected him. Terrence Ross, uh, I kind of honorable mention, like um, poorly important part of that Raptors resurgence after uh, it was after Rudy Gay left, like him, Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan, like they were kind of hot. And at one point, like, I think you even kind of looked at it like, okay, it's like a three headed monster. And um, but, you know, uh, different trades happen and they, they miss. I found some value in moving him along. Um, he's one of three players to have scored at least 50 points in uh, Raptors history. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Norman Powell, I like him because every time he gets on the court, he's never afraid of anything. He never backs down. He was an important cog in that championship team. Anthony Parker, I really respect, appreciate him because every time I watched him play, I mean, I know the stats may not always really bear it out, but he just looked like one of the smartest players on that court. Like, consistent all the time like even when the Raptors would get down himself like his play never looked like it wavered that much and he always just I don't know when you see him move around the court pass like he just looked like he was always thinking um so that when he eventually left the Raptors like uh he joined the Cavs uh I forget which year that was but that was one of the LeBron years so definitely a a quality like whenever you think of like championship contenders like whoever they are signing as role players like you know that they're legitimate players like that's just how it works like if you're good enough then you're going to get eyes from like the championship contenders tracy mcgrady of course i mean uh i didn't have him in my top 10 because he i didn't uh think he was there long enough um and other than being a really good sidekick to uh vince um i just i don't know what the impact was versus anyone else like it was a bit tough for me to um, put him up there because he also even if he didn't hit stats or anything in terms of making an impact in, in toronto 
Uh, I, didn't, I didn't necessarily feel it. Nobody really associates him with Toronto anyway. Uh, Lou Williams, sixth man, um, just uh, was a good signing. And he just, he brought a lot of fun, I think, to that team. And, and sort of, he was a bit of, a bit of bringing a bit of cachet to that city and team when, when they were kind of growing up to the Maasai years. And Charles Oakley, I thought, was real strong veteran presence that helped guide a young T-Mac, a young Vince Carter when they needed it uh, early in their career. So uh, and he was a fan favorite in Toronto. So I kind of just, I just call them out and I do have them in my top 25. But I'll say when we post this, anybody can say whatever they want, that the Raptors list is not a strong list. Like you go 11 through 25, you can make the case to me how 11 can be off the list and 25 can be 11. You probably can win that argument. I, uh, I, I tried my best. I am not, I'm not dying on any hill on, on that 11 through 25. I'll tell you that much. I have, um, I have a bit of a hill to die on. And okay. um, I too have Tracy, I have Tracy McGrady at 15. Um, okay. I love Norman Powell too. I don't have okay. Lou Williams on my list, but I okay. would put him on it. I mean, I did put Marcus Camby on my list and Jorge Garbajosa. I mean, okay. Lou Williams okay. probably deserves to be on there. Um, I don't have Charles okay. Oakley. Okay. I don't have I don't have JYD either. Okay. Those guys were too much. Those guys were the Ty Domi, okay, of the Toronto Raptors fan favorites. But okay. I mean, if you know, if you're just contributing goon minutes out in the court, but no, Oakley had some okay stats. Well, yeah, I, I, I get. No, I get I'm putting Charles said. Oakley in for a, a different reason, though. not just what he did on the I know court. You did. Like he was a real important yeah. part of the locker room, right? To I mean, I wasn't in the locker room. Neither nah, were you. Okay, I mean, I'm people just say that all the time. Oh, right. well, the, the reason why I'm hesitant to put someone on there because they're a locker room leader is because okay. the, 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 um, the contrast to that is that someone's a locker room cancer. And we've seen locker room cancers win championships. In fact, all locker room divas and cancers are more successful than they're not. That's why they kind of get branded that for, for a uh. reason. Give me an example. So that's a, why. Okay. Well, pardon me. Yeah, you know. Yeah, no. I was just like trying to think because usually the thing is when someone's a locker room cancer and they succeed, it's it's because they got some other leader like a Charles Oakley or somebody who kind of steers that, so it prevents the team from just falling away. You know. I mean, so, Shaq and Kobe were pretty much the locker room cancers. I'm sure they caused a mutiny in the locker room, and they still won three championships well, and um, you know uh, a couple no. more finals. There were different, like, uh, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm losing names now who was there, but they had other veterans there who kind of helped keep those guys in line, whether it was, uh, might have been Brian Shaw, I'm not sure, um, might have been yeah, Mitch, Byron yeah, Scott. Yeah, Brian Shaw, sure, Mitch, but, yeah, Brian Shaw, Glenn Rice, Mitch Richmond, yeah. sure, I'm sure yeah. they had guys. So I'm just trying to counter your argument, okay, sure. like, you're, you're wondering why I don't, people are going to ask, why don't I have Charles Oakley, why don't I okay. have JYD? Okay, and I do have Sarah Listen, if if this if this is the philanthropy award, yeah, of course JYD <laughs> deserves to be in that. I mean, the guy is yeah. amazing for the city of Toronto. We all love all right. JYD, but um, he would not. I I can't think of one. If you took any of the Raptors teams and put him in the finals, where you're only going eight nine deep, Charles okay. Oakley and JYD do not make that cut. I see what you're doing. Okay. Uh, yeah, because we so, didn't approach it in the same like I wasn't thinking of how I would build exactly exactly this team now and exactly he was what they needed then, so, I guess but anyway yeah. so you're you're actually in good company because TSN and Sportsnet do have oh okay um, Charles okay. Oakley on their list 
Oh, and I got mm-hmm. we got to share with everybody. Like, I did not know of that list before. Um, like Ryan, yeah. this was your your idea to go into it, and for me, it was kind of a nice trip down memory lane. But I guess my sports uh, sources now, I haven't really kept in touch too much with what TSN or Sports Center saying. But uh, okay, interesting. Uh, I don't have Camby or uh, what's the other one you said? Garbajosa. No, I didn't have either. Garbajosa. Yeah, I yeah. didn't have them on mine. Okay, Camby. Uh, maybe I maybe I should have, but I didn't put them on. I mean. Uh, can be no one has so. can be on their list actually. Okay, yeah, I'm the only one. He kind of left mm-hmm. a bit too early. I thought. I mean, maybe I'm. Yeah, I he did. He, yeah, yeah. So I think that was my that was my gripe. Do we want to? Yeah, do I have no ten. Oh, sorry. You want to go into the ten now? I'm really sure. eager to find out who you got drafted at number one. Who did you pick? So number one, meaning the greatest like, Toronto Raptor. Yeah, who is the greatest? We'll go from that way. I have Kyle Lowry. Okay. I have Kyle Lowry because he's to in me, he's the little engine. That, yeah, okay. Kyle Lowry to me is the little engine that could. All right. He has the stats, the tenure. Um, he's embraced by Toronto and Canada because it really is Canada's team now. And I, I feel like when we saw those Raptors parade that um, and, and the parades that happened afterwards when they did win the championship, I feel like a, a lot of people – Yeah. Um, we're supportive of Kyle Lowry and Kyle Lowry can probably go across the nation and, and just, yeah. I just feel like he's okay. Fair enough. It doesn't hurt. It, it doesn't hurt that he also plays like a hockey player. Yeah. I, it, Fair enough. I, I want to, yeah. Well, I want, well, part of me wants to vomit when I say that because, but unfortunately <laughs> you have to understand how Toronto works with, with, um, with its sports and, you know, we've been listening yeah. to Don Cherry for 40 years and, you know, yeah. he all he preaches is toughness and truculence and, and all this. So but we like yeah. our athletes they, to bite down the mouthpiece and, and go at it. And this guy so takes people in, charges. Yeah. He goes up against seven footers. He really yeah. just brings it. And another thing about Kyle Lowry as well, that um, I always thought that he'd probably have a good chance to make it into the Hall of Fame. Okay. And now yep. he absolutely is a Hall of Famer um, with this championship ring. Right. He just has to round out the rest of his career. He can even get half the numbers that he's putting up now. Uh, to me, he's a shoe in. Uh, the Basketball Hall of Fame is also it's so, it's the hall of it's the hall of good, not the hall of yeah. great. Anyways, so that's fair. Uh, um, I yeah, Kyle Lowry. Kyle me. Lowry, the case for him in the Hall of Fame, um, interesting. I. I've kind of vaguely heard that. I think Bradley Beal might have made that comment. Him winning a championship certainly helps that case a lot. I don't know. We'll find out. I think I think we still need to see him do more in his career now as being uh number one, I can kind of Well you know that case. you know that you know that Chris Mullins in the No, I know the but fame, the thing is Chris Mullen played in, you know, the war played for the Warriors and we'll find out. We just haven't seen yet seen what it takes for a Raptor to get that recognition. Um Okay, just, fair enough. I think like it's voted on by the journalists, and I don't know yet how much recognition Kyle Lowry had received because he's got his recognition now because he won the ring. But before that, I wasn't know how much people were talking about him. He bounced around. Well, he's made um, he's made All Star teams. He's he made uh, Team there. Americas. But before that, yeah, he's made Team Americas. Yeah, okay. he has. Yeah, yeah, Team USA. Um, it's just yeah. Well, we'll find out. Like now, his toughness. He's a Philly guy. Like he plays like Philly, like Philly guys. So whenever. Like you know, plays like a hockey guy. He plays like a guy from Philly. That's just how how it is. It's tough. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, I had him as number two. You're right. Six time All Star. Okay. He uh, was an All NBA. Um, he he's third in all time scoring for the Raptors. So I mean, the case can be made. 
like when you think of his tenure and, and I think why there's that outpouring of support for him, like after he won, even after he, they made the finals was because they saw how this guy, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll eventually, I know we're going to get to another guy who we're going to talk about, but we saw how Kyle uh, struggled and how he had to overcome like these demons and he finally did and he won. Right. And that's something that really any sports fan can identify with. It's, it's why Dirk is going to live on forever um, in Dallas and, just people, when they think of those kinds of stories, like that's who comes to mind. Dirk's the leader of a team. Now, Kyle wasn't the leader of a team, but, well, I mean, maybe you can make the case he was, but, um, and certainly now he is, but uh, I think that's the thing. I think the fans identify with it. I think there, you cannot discount like that, that tie to that city. The fact that he struggled with that city and initially they kept wanting to trade him for a number of years, even recently. And um, he bounced around a little bit through in his earlier part of the career. Um, and, and I guess that's what I mean. Like, so you kind of have to shake that first impression. So we'll, we'll see. I think maybe that's another topic we can take on. Um, so I had him at number two. I'll tell you who I had number one. I had number one is Ka- Kawhi Leonard. Like, yes, one year only, but I'll tell you what, finals MVP, the shot, he was the reason. Like, I know it's a team sport, but you take him off that team last year, I don't think that they win the title. And he did secure the championship for the Raptors. Like, he, he was the reason. And so um, – he has to be the best Raptor of all time. Like it wasn't an insignificant part of it. It wasn't like he just jumped on the team halfway through or anything like that. Like he was there from the beginning to the end. It's a season. It's a full season. It's a playoffs. I got him at number one. So I think that's the bone of contention with a lot of people. Yeah. Is, are he's we, only there one are year. we saying, well, it's not that he's one year. We're not going to, we're not okay. going to hold that against them. We're just, I think people just, when you think of the, 25 greatest Raptors versus the 25 greatest individual seasons. Um, I think of Roger Clemens because he played for Toronto for two years and he had the best two years of any Blue Jays pitcher. It's not even close. And when people try and discuss best pitchers, they, they too are hesitant to bring up Roger Clemens' name. Okay. But the guy was absolute fire for the two years okay. he was there and you could really take, you could really separate those two years. And yeah. um, if you took one of them, they'd still be the greatest single season. And Kawhi okay. Leonard's in that I'll discussion. Put it to you this way. I'll put it to you this way. If mm-hmm. they did not win the championship, I'd knock him down like several spots. He might still make my top 10, but he would be knocked down. It's him if, winning the title, winning the title yeah. on this team. Uh, the odds were against that team. They were actually the biggest underdogs since like, uh, I forget which year it was. I think it was the uh, the, the Cavs year, the one that uh, when they beat the 73-9 Warriors. I think that might have been the year. So they were a super big underdog team. Like people forget that. People want to talk about yeah. the Raptors team. Like, yeah, they're going to beat this injured Warriors team. Ah, but that injured Warriors team just dominated Houston and then they swept the Blazers and everyone was saying, oh, mm-hmm. it's a joke. They're just totally going to beat the Raptors. So I, I anyway, mm-hmm. that's a little bit of a rant. I'm just saying Kawhi secured a spot for me when he won that ring. Um, because that's not easy, <laughs> especially just. I have, I have, yeah. I have no problem with Kawhi at one because it's hard to. Like, what's greater than a championship? Yeah, you know. Well, that's why uh, you play season MVP. Right? I mean, yeah. maybe you know NBA Player of the Week. No, we have to obviously the the NBA championship at the and end he was of the, the finals year. MVP. And he was the Finals MVP. Yeah. Um, I and he also when I, you I talk like about. Try, the, intangibles the shot that mem- mm-hmm. that sh- that image that that motion it's going to yeah. live on for generations you know it's true it's right up there so true. he gave us that memory so I, he got a he basically checked everything 
So he would still be number one in your book if he didn't make that shot. Say if uh, uh, yeah, Norman, if, Norman, if Norman, yeah, if Norman Powell the hit the game-winning shot, but you know um, Kawhi Leonard was still yeah. Like, no, it's not the shot. It's really if he won the ring. Kawhi okay. won the title. Okay, let's say if if we won the title, but Kawhi was not the Finals MVP. Okay, let's say he had a good Finals. I think as long as he had a good Finals, like but if he had like a Finals where he just choked six games straight, I don't think I would have given him the number one spot. It's because he interesting. Because I think if someone else stepped up, like Kyle Lowry, just pull, I, mean, I mean, they all did play very well. But if you saw Kyle just go like three levels above what he played for six games and he had to compensate for a, a Kawhi that was busted down or injured or whatever, I don't know what the reason would be, then then yeah, I would switch the two spots. But um, the fact well, is Kawhi um, showed up and did what he was – like because I have Kyle Lowry at number yeah. two. so Right. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Who'd, so we're, we just switched one to – well, uh, Freddie did yeah. get one MVP vote, right, from – Oh yeah, from Hubie Brown. So Hubie, I don't know yeah, I mean, it's, okay, yeah. Anyway, the fact that he's eighty plus years old and can still <laughs> form a sentence is way better yeah. than I, what I'm doing right now. So Fair much enough. respect yeah. to him. What uh, but, do you have a number yeah, two? I mean, I, oh, sorry, number two, I have Demar Derozan. Okay, yeah, number two, give me that number case. two. I have Demar Derozan. Um, again, tenure, the stats, the impact on our city. Yeah. The one intangible that I have, the reason why I like um, DeMar DeRozan is um, I'm not spiritual or anything like that or, okay. or, or, sure. or believe in the universe is at work. But I do believe that the DeMar DeRozan years where it was him and Kyle, you know, post Rudy Gay, just um, getting to a certain ceiling and not being able to break through. I think that created a winning culture. And I would even think that a guy like Kawhi Leonard coming on the Raptors team last year had that, had the previous failures not have happened. Um, I don't see the Raptors um, winning somehow. Okay. I don't know. Call me crazy. I, right? But I, 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 I do think that DeMar DeRozan um, put in, put in enough game time, put enough shower okay. time, has the numbers. And yeah, I know he didn't win in the end, but I've gone on okay. to say that he deserves a championship. You, you lit a fire because... on me because I gotta respond to it. Okay, go like, for it. Yeah, like oh, number one. I, so first, I got him at number three behind Kawhi and Kyle, and in some ways because of the stature of Demar Derozan. Quite frankly, I, I remember Kyle made that comment. And I agree with it. They got to build a statue for Demar outside the ACC. He, yeah. uh, I almost feel like I got to justify why he's not number one or two, right? Because um, like I mentioned, how Kyle's number two. I actually. Would have, I actually had DeMar at number two as of this afternoon, but I switched Kyle because Kyle, like this year, this is it. Like after the championship year, Kyle came back and he's just playing with fury. He's playing with reckless abandon that he, I don't think he necessarily had before he won that ring. And he's still around and he's just done more for Toronto just because he's still around in Toronto. There, That's what I gave him the slight edge above DeMar and Kawhi. I gave the reasons for really why Kawhi's up there. And so that's the reason I have those two guys above DeMar. But otherwise, if we had this conversation like three, four years ago, um, and there was no Kawhi, like there was a kind of a debate in my head about um, a DeMar being number one or not. Like he might very well, I can't remember saying that, making that comment. Like uh, to some people I said, um, you gotta, the first jersey that ever gets retired has to be DeMar's. I was just very adamant, like DeMar um, meant a lot to the city. He, you know, when he signed his contract that year, I forget which year it was. And he, you know, he came out with that statement, I am Toronto. And because at that point, he was a free agent. He had good stock, and he could have mm -hmm. gone to other teams. And 
there was always that that kind of that stink in the air that you know, play, we talked about this earlier in the preamble that you know players don't want to play in Toronto and different things. And he just said, no, I'm 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 going to play in Toronto. He's an LA guy. He's from LA, and he's like, no, Toronto's yeah. my team. And people in Toronto and Raptor fans specifically they gravitated to this. Like the Raptors are this stepchild uh, that sort of was, it's kind of disregarded first by the American media, like ESPN, whatever, because they're, I mean, it's not the American market. So you're not going to get ratings. Therefore you can't sell, you don't generate money by covering the Raptors in the American media market. Secondly, you got the Canadian media who's just focusing on that other sport. Um, And then they basically, the Raptors fans would always kind of twist in the wind. And that's how they always felt. And so when this one guy is saying, no, I'm in here. Now, I t- what I take exception to is how them losing created winning culture. I actually think it's the other way around. I think what, what happened here was this. Brian Winters had talked about how, when it, like, and they never really paid attention to the stuff until we saw the Raptors really gain traction in the last 12, 18 months. But like before that, and, and it was really not something noticed at first, how they kept losing that game one and round one. And it wasn't all just Damar and Kyle. Like it was happening before then too. And there was this feeling of gloom in the Raptors organization is what, what Brian referred to. And you can kind of tell when you read the Toronto Star and these other articles talking about the Raptors. And to be honest, and I know I'm going to get some heat for it, but it's just the way Canadian media covers stuff. Like when we grew up in Canada, and I don't know if it's different, I hope it's different, but there was always this sense of like an inferiority complex. And, and I actually believe that that when you have that interaction with the Canadian media and the Canadian fans, that that bled into these teams, even though they're from other places, they were in the city long enough mm. that they just start adopting the traits and the psychology of the team so that it's affecting them when they play. Like they just, they almost in some ways think that they're jinxed. And unfortunately the team had to, well, I mean, look, you're, you're dealing with Kawhi Leonard. So the trade piece was Damar and it could have been Kyle, but like, I don't know how, what the negotiations were, but it seems that Spurs wanted Damar. And that's what the trade was. And after that, there was also Nick Nurse who came in. And Kawhi's coming in like, like I remember that question, well, how do you talk about the, the history or whatever? And he's like, I don't know. You just got to ask somebody else who's lived here. I just got here. There's a thing where someone's new to a place. They're kind of ignorant to how things are. And in Toronto, he's just like, I'm here to play basketball. He's not dealing with the history. So that's what it was. You shed away those years and all the other Raptors who were there last year, they see Kawhi and they go, okay, yeah, we're going to hop, we're going to hop on this guy's back and he's going to take us to the final. And like, also too, like there are the other role players, which we're going to get to kind of, as I think, as we talked through a bit of the rankings or certainly I will, they kind of came about after the rise of Kyle and Tamar. So they themselves, as I observed when they got swept badly by the Cavs the year prior, I saw some promise in some of those guys who they weren't really backing down, but they just weren't getting much playing time or they were maybe not quite seasoned enough. But the DeMar and Kyle, like as much as I love them, like they did have that tentativeness, that, 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 you know, that, that feeling of gloom in them. Now Kyle shook it. He got a chance to, cause he was still on the team afterward. Maybe that would have been the case with DeMar afterward too, if somehow he wasn't traded. But uh, I just, I, I, think that he's the all, he's an all-timer for the Raptors. He should get a statue. He should have this his should, his jersey should be the first retired. But no, I, I don't equate it that way that, you know, Kyle, Kawhi was coming in. Like Kawhi set the tone of winning of winning culture with Nick Nurse. They just shed all the bad habits, all the bad uh, karma or whatever you want to call it, bad juju with the team. So that's that's my take on it. Yeah, it's yeah, you you said um I agree with the substance of what you've said. What I would take what I would advance 
in a way is to, to play certain things out. I mean, we can't stress the importance of Marc Gasol. And Kawhi Leonard yeah. uh, got to play with Marc Gasol, but DeMar DeRozan didn't. Um, yeah, we never know. Yeah, we, we, we don't know how that would have played out. We don't know how DeMar would have played with um, Nick Nurse. We don't know how Kawhi Leonard would have done with um, – why, why am I? You're right. On I mean, name? that's a fair point. That Nick Nurse signing when they made him the coach, that was before Kawhi mm-hmm. trade. There was no nothing necessarily happening with Kawhi trade. It was going to be that team running. And if anything, maybe they would have traded Kyle Lowry. So it's possible. But I don't know if I see on Demar that killer instinct that that you see in Kawhi and that we saw in Kyle in the past few months. Like Demar. Um, he had a history of sort of playoff letdowns. Kyle had like a few, I think it was a bit overblown with Kyle because he did come back in a bunch of other games. Um, I'm not, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not, I mean, I'm, I don't know why I'm knocking DeMar because I have him at number three. I'm calling him one of the greatest Raptors ever. Uh, I think it's more mm-hmm. just uh, the premise that you laid it on. That's the part. I'm like, yeah, we're just not... trying to justify, well, we're just trying to justify why Kawhi was able to win a championship and, and... why DeMar wasn't. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, well, I, it might be as simple as DeMar had to keep facing LeBron James. That could be it, you know? You face yeah. this, maybe the, yeah. one of the top three, that's... four, five basketball players of all time who keeps yeah. making final, uh, making it to the NBA Finals. Like, that's going to play a role, sure. But it is what it is. We have the results. Um, I just, I, I think, like, um, I'm, I'm giving DeMar his credit for what he was able to achieve, like the Raptor resurgence when Mosai came in, like he just started balling out after Rudy Gay was sent away, who incidentally, I just realized is not even on my list. But anyway, um, who'd you have at number three? Oh, he's, he's not on anyone's list, brother. Okay. Uh, number three, I got, um, I do have Kawhi Leonard. Um, okay. Okay. So we I have Kawhi Leonard and um, three. Yeah. We don't yeah. even have, the, I, we don't no, have any commonality in the top three. We just have those three players in the top three, but in a different order. Okay. Right. But if I had, if I had to defend your top three, I would do it. Gun to my head, I would take your top three over a lot of people's top three. I'm sure people got JYD in their top three. Because... <laughs> well, all right. So no, I've I've no I've Kawhi Leonard in the top three. I, I guess the only reason why I have him below Demar and Kyle is um, not there. Maybe long. the one and done. Maybe because he uh, never resigned. Maybe it's valid point. I never. So here's. I have a bit of um, <laughs> um, Masai Ujiri committed grand larceny when he got Kawhi Leonard for that one year, <laughs> and good on him. I mean, yeah. it's it's funny it's funny how people say, "Oh, the Houston Astros are cheaters and Lance Armstrongs are cheaters." Yes, what Masai Ujiri did was legal and within the rules, but I mean, you talk about an ace in the hole when when the referee's not looking. Um, I, th- now I do think he probably would have, I do think the Messiah jury probably thought he could have resigned Kawhi Leonard, especially after the championship. Um, but then again, apparently they had discussions in February of the championship year that didn't go so well. So who, who knows what really happened? We may never know, but I think the, the call was right to make. Yeah. But the fact that he kind of, in the end, Kawhi Leonard did. Um, have an MVP season for Toronto. Yeah. But he did leverage that season to essentially get out of Toronto. And I, listen, I'm going to defend Vince Carter and Chris Bosch later for, for doing similar moves. Okay. There's, you know, this basketball is not some 
um, you know, no one's beholden to whatever. Yeah, These are all independent contractors. They're all entrepreneurs. They're all brands. They can do whatever they want. I don't believe in that loyalty or sellout bullshit yeah. that fans like so, to so rattle off. So I guess it's, um, I guess I'm having a Vince Carter, Chris Bosch moment with Kawhi. I'm so just, just for point of reference, okay. I made this list. Okay. I just made, I made this list on September 25th of last year. So not too soon after um, the decision came and I thought about, you know, Mayor John Tory giving Kawhi Leonard the key and, you know, I've gone on to say that he should give the key back. <laughs> <Okay>. And, <laughs> and um, I'm glad that I don't think Serge Ibaka hugged him during the ring ceremony. So I'm just having kind of my little um, hissy fit with okay. Kawhi Leonard. So okay. it was, it was, it was a bit of a liver shot to him. Not, it's, uh, it's funny. It was a bit of a liver shot for putting him at, at number three, but honestly, if, if Kawhi Leonard is the greatest Raptor of all time, then he is, I really don't yeah. care. Like it, you said, we have, um, we have our top three in different orders, but we all agree in these yeah. three so, men, these gentlemen, their, their contributions and what they mean for this franchise. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned this. Uh, Ryan Rossella was in the, he was talking about, it. he's like, how did we, uh, usually with, you know, like the media rails on guys who like leave, you know, leave teams, you know, they don't, I don't know. There was mm -hmm. like when Kevin Durant left uh, Oklahoma city thunder and Gordon mm -hmm. left Utah, I don't know. They get a little bit of criticism. It was like, how did we just give Kawhi pass? Is it cause it's the Raptors? Is it cause it's Canada? <laughs> like, I don't know. Like anyway, um classy move on the raptors part giving him a ring uh i think we've mm -hmm. covered that um mm -hmm. number three so who'd you got number four i have cb4 chris bosh oh interesting i didn't expect that okay i got him i got chris, chris at number five but uh so tell me chris bosh yeah chris bosh for me is um i think he's one of the best number threes of all time if you take all the teams with big threes um, okay. So if you take, uh, yeah, if you take kind of Ray Allen when he won with well, the Celtics, you take, okay. So Fisher you're with... you're counting the stuff he did in Miami now. No, no. Well, he, hear me out. Okay. So, yes, he would go on to win two championships with Miami, but yes, I do put him in the category of Ray Allen, Derek Fisher, Dennis Rodman, James Worthy. The thing about Chris Bosh is, and with Vince Carter is that I think we knew Chris Bosch's ceiling when he left Toronto. We, we, in other words, his ceiling was established here in Toronto. Right. And that's exactly, and that's exactly why he was coveted by LeBron and Miami is because he, he is who they thought they were. You were getting a guy who was not really a double double machine, but he would obviously average uh, double doubles yeah. during the season. He would, yeah, he, you know, he kind of, Sometimes he got bodied by Amari so Stoudemire. Starter. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes he got bodied by Carl's Boozer and Amari Stoudemire. But you know, he he also, okay. even though he wasn't this rim protector, he still was a very good player. He was an all star, and he was an all star with Toronto. Yeah, I mean, and, like, yeah, yeah. Sorry. So, for that reason. Um, I just, I always liked his game. There was a cleanness, uh, cleanliness to him. Maybe it's because he was left-handed. 
Right. Um, he kind of moved awkwardly. He dribbled awkwardly. I remember when he worked on his three-point shot, it looked well, He didn't odd, work on a three-point shot until he left Toronto. That's what frustrated me more than anything. He used to always take uh, no, that one he, shot inside the three-point line. And it's like, why can't you just no, take he one did, step he did, back? He, he, can't you figure it no, out? No, brother. No, brother, you're wrong. He had a three-point shot with Toronto. Look it up. He absolutely no, did have it. He didn't shoot three-pointers, but he took mm-hmm. that, that one shot inside the three-point line way too often and then i remember in espn they actually showed his progression to being a three-point shooter in miami now i get it you're as a starter but that also reflects on like he just couldn't carry a team as the number one guy you you compared him to like worthy and Derek fisher i forget who else you just said now none of those guys uh, ray allen chris, yeah well well after that but chris bosh is supposed to be in toronto he's supposed to play the role of the man I mean, like I got him, at but I never, five. but I never, but 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 I never saw him as the man. So Vince this is think, my list. I have him at number four, but I never saw him as the man. You mentioned Vince Carter. I'm just curious. Did you have him later? Did you have him at number five, or did you have him later than that? I had him at number five. Okay, let's talk about these two guys together because I got it the other way around. I got Vince Carter at number four and Chris Bosh at number five. Vince Carter, like, like okay, Chris Bosh. I just want to quickly, you know, he was an All NBA. He was the guy that passed Vince Carter in scoring and. And I think what Chris Bosh, what stands out for him is that he, after the Vince years, and there was that dark period where we fell out of the playoffs, he was kind of the catalyst that helped bring us back into the playoffs. And yes, like, you know, he was an all-star starter. Um, wasn't good enough to garner that much attention down south, um, which was interesting. I mean, I was like, oh, why not? Why not? But I realized, like, in hindsight, like, well, just because you're a team that wins the Atlantic Division, like, that's not good enough to, like, you know, you gotta you gotta have everyone believe that you're legitimately gonna actually make a real run at the finals. Like even this year's Raptors, who don't have Kawhi, like they still get talked about because people actually think, hey, they might be a dangerous team to face in any playoffs matchup. Whereas those Bosch Raptors were never the case. We talked about the Colangelo era, how he kept signing these European players that, like, they just I don't know if it was the coaching that didn't suit them. Like, uh, uh, it was Dwayne Casey. It was still Dwayne Casey then, wasn't it? But like it just no. never clicked. I didn't personally. I didn't like his style. You like his style, player. I didn't, but that's okay. I can. I mean, that's not how I'm how I'm rating these guys. Like in terms Dwayne, of Dwayne, just like, just Dwayne Dwayne Casey. Dwayne Casey was never Chris Bosh's coach. Oh, uh, he, they got rid of Sam uh, Mitchell. Sam, Sam Mitchell. Mitchell, and then the Canadian guy. Uh, Canadian coach. coach. Dwayne. There Casey you go. Came, okay, so anyway, like. Um, yes, questionable coaching choices. I wasn't a big fan of Sam Mitchell. Um, he he won coach of the year, but yeah. Yeah, like that, yeah, because he had that kind of one run, and I was expecting more after that year, but it was just a disappointment a few years after that. Yeah. They didn't get to build on what they were supposed to build on, and then Colangelo became a bit of a degenerate gambler with every single trade he made after that, but we can maybe save that for another (laughs) podcast, because we can, we probably go like three hours on Colangelo. Um, probably. But like, um, the with Bosch, I mean, I had him at number five because you know he was the the, the next guy. Like Vince, Vince was such a big presence. Now I want to dive into Vince a bit more. And, and and it's funny, like if this had been three years ago, I would have had, I might have still had Vince at number one because of the impact he had. Like the Toronto Raptors until last year had not really done anything, hadn't been to an NBA Finals. They've been to an Eastern Conference Finals, and that was with Vince. And Vince is the one who like had that one shot. He was that close, rimmed out, and he brought cachet to the city. He inspired a whole generation of Canadian players. It was to a point where he was so hated when he left because really it's a bit of like a scorned a lover type of thing with the city of Toronto. And it was just like, and for Toronto Raptors fans, or even just basketball fans outside of Toronto, like whenever they thought of Toronto, you thought of Vince. 
That was it. There was no other guy that came along who set the city on fire the way he did. Um, and he, he was the forefather of the team. Now I was always saying like, yeah, like Vince um, should get his jersey retired. This was before like there was the healing with him in the city. Like, but it, I think it always have to come after DeMar because DeMar like just built up that other cachet and it took a long time, but DeMar did. I mean, um, so Vince, and he was always just far more exciting to watch. He was just, he was one of the other two players to score 50 um, of the, mm-hmm. DeMar was the third. So <clears throat> they, Vince, um, I hold him at number four. Uh, that's kind of what I got. Like uh, Chris Bosh is going to fade away into history and people are not really going to remember him. Um, Vince, they will. But because of the accomplishments okay. of the top three, yeah. I had to I had to put Vince at number four. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm never going to forget Chris Bosh, and LeBron James will never forget Chris Bosh, and I think that's that's the most important thing you can think of. That back to my Chris Bosh Vince Carter comparison. We when we when Vince asked to leave when he said he was going to stop dunking, and we had that ugly divorce with him. Raptors fans probably thought. We just kissed away a championship ring because Vince was Vince was the athlete. He was the flashy guy. Yeah. Actually, I was going to say earlier about uh, DeMar DeRozan. I think DeMar DeRozan's overall game and Vince Carr's overall game are very similar. They kind of got these wet little jumpers. They can go inside, outside. But Vince just has all these boutique dunks that DeMar doesn't. But I just thought of how similar they were when you actually – you know, look at their their offensive game just from an X's and O point of view. Um, so when Vince left, I thought, okay, you know what, we're we're probably saying goodbye to a championship player, which was never the case. But um, well, it's just so, so his ceiling, enough, his his yeah, yeah just just sure, sure. Just let me uh, let, let me finish this one thing with Chris Bosh. I mean, we knew why he was going to Miami. He was. A third piece to that puzzle we yeah. we knew exactly why he was going to Miami and I don't think he was ever the 1A type of guy I mean but he was he was always positioned that way on that Raptor team right who else was there that was to, to who though to who though to who not to me but just the way that they I mean he was for touches on the lead and the, on the court like who else was the, the go who was the number one option they had he okay. He was number one option only because Raptors had no other number one option. We weren't exactly signing yeah. free agents. Toronto is Toronto is still Jason not signing free agents. We have never signed a top three free no, agent. No, no, no. So that, that's the that, that's the case then agents. as it is you just now. Need to draft well, which goes back to Colangelo being a degenerate gambler, con- continuously trading away every draft pick we had. I was so depressed every fair enough, year, but if, the draft and fair enough. Draft but if, if you're ever gonna be if you're ever gonna be the New York Yankees or the LA Lakers, you gotta sign that number one player. Yeah, but you're not gonna be the, league. the way you would well, win if you're these teams is through the draft and through player development and third option, if possible, trade, which is kind of what they actually did last year. Which, which <clears throat> it is not gonna get you is not most likely will not build you a dynasty. Okay, shrewd drafting can. It is really hard, though. The odds are not against, are not there. What you are going to do, what all the other teams who are not the Lakers, who are not the, the Knicks are going to, uh, well, I'm not going to mention the Knicks anymore, who are not the Lakers, is you might get that one championship that one year. At the beginning of the year, you don't know. Like, the idea of trying to plan for years of championships, that's just not in your cards. Don't even think about that. I'm just saying that if you could have ranked the greatest Raptors of all time, I don't see how you would say Chris Bosh is greater than Vince Carter. If you're already acknowledging that Chris Bosh is not the one A, 
he's not like the number one like guy like he's just like this third banana like it does that part I, I and because i don't know what his impact is like people i think a lot of people forget that he even played in toronto like <laughs> wow like okay, I, I'll, I never I'll, think I'll of make, him as from make, toronto because i keep okay, from miami so okay vince carter well who had who had more wins who, who, who had the who had the top winning seasons it was it was chris bosh not vince carter that's why yeah, Sam Mitchell won Coach like, of the Year because he said. Yeah. So Chris Bosh's game. So so let's go down this rabbit hole. We're acknowledging that Vince Carter was individually probably the better all around basketball player, the better athlete. But Chris Bosh translated to more wins. Chris Bosh was coveted by LeBron James. So vis a vis, I have met number four because his game, even with the Toronto Raptors was more complimentary to success than Vince Carter was. Vince Carter was, I mean, we've all seen wonderful basketball players, but but individually just not make it to that championship level. I mean, Allen okay, Iverson, question. Tracy McGrady. And so Vince Carter's in that company, and I think Chris Bosh is in the company of, who do I want to either build my team around? Maybe you don't build your team around Chris Bosh, but you do finish a team around Chris Bosh. Whereas Vince Carter, you think you're going to build a team around Vince Carter, but no one could. But, you know, like the stuff you're saying about Chris, like, you know, circumstances and all this stuff, that's kind of Vince, too. He had bad management. He had bad coaching. Like, that's what it was. Like, they just didn't if, – if they just were not – they were still a young team. That, I mean, when I say young, I mean as an organization. That's was what I mean about people and culture. Masai comes in. Tim Laiwiki, Tim Laiwiki comes in. Masai comes in says, all you guys who don't know anything about basketball, you're going to go. Like – Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment run by the Teachers Pension Plan. Okay, you guys, maybe you knew some other sports, which we don't care about here. I'm going to show you how we do it down there, and we're going to win. And then if but this we, isn't, but of, this isn't Chris Bosh's fault. I'm not. I'm not. But no, I'm. I'm saying about how Vince. It's not Vince's fault that they were not reaching that kind of echelon. He was. Like, they just didn't know what they were doing. Like we could actually. We're almost about. I was going to raise this point um, that with. Like the people that they drafted, like you could actually, it's a more compelling podcast actually to look at, like, look at who they drafted and like, like the busts, the draft busts that the Raptors had. And then another mm-hmm. sister podcast would be all the, all the star players that the Raptors passed on that they could have drafted. Cause that's the story of the Raptors. It is. That's a heartbreaking one, bro. <laughs> it's just, just what it is. Like, I mean, this is what yeah. I mean. We're, Cause mm-hmm. like, really, this is a good time to like get into number six. Um, I'll tell you my number. Oh, but before, before yeah. I actually wanted to ask you something. Actually, yeah. because we talk about Chris Bosh, we talk about Vince Carter. Yeah. We have to talk about their exits. What? Okay. What were you thinking of the time of their exits, and okay. what do you think the legacy of their exits are? And should there be? Should we still have hostility? Was there? Did should we have given them any hostility the way they exited? Um, we shouldn't have given hostility. It was a bad time in history where. For whatever reason, and this also goes back to when fans used to identify with their cities, their teams. Like, I'm a fan of basketball, and I think the younger generation just appreciates the athletes more than the teams now. So you don't really get as much backlash. Okay, Kevin Durant got backlash because that was something a little weird where you go join this all-time team. When, quite frankly, that that Oklahoma City Thunder team was very capable of beating the Warriors, and they probably could have in a different series and even the following year. So he could have stuck around. His choice, he could do whatever he wants. And I think, like... Players, um, they certainly are freer to do that now. Um, okay, these two situations. Vince, I don't know, like all that stuff when he tried to force his way out and the trade, or whatever. Like, I don't want to rehash that. I don't care enough about it because it's so far removed. I think like this shows you what I said in the beginning. 
good people, good culture. That creates a good company where people want to be. Under Rob Dabcock, under like whoever, like Richard Petty. I look, I don't even remember that name. I was looking through the names of the people running these teams. It just wasn't good. And eventually, like they didn't, they didn't consult him on, or he didn't. Even if they don't have to consult him because it's their team, he just wasn't buying like who they were drafting, like who the mm-hmm. GM. Like if you're the star player, it's like Jalen Rose said. He's like, he's like something, and they were even having little spats about where his mom can park his car or something like that. And Jalen Rose is like. Why don't you go mess one of these some of these other clowns over here? Don't mess with the superstar. Like that was Jalen Rose's take, and so Jalen Rose is what's different in Vince. I think like obviously you've seen how Vince's legacy has, has reputation has turned around in the city, and I think like I think like um, the way he left like it's a bit of like Canadians like you know getting all in a hissy fit because an American wanted to go back to the states or whatever. I mean that's just what it is. Um, Chris Bosh leaving. I actually don't think there was uh, that much. People didn't really care that much after them booing him on the first return. But after that, people kind of forgot about him. I didn't really think about him too much. I mean, like, he was a free agent. I think people were disappointed. But, like, the fact is that was Raptors that when he left, I don't even know if the – I don't think the Raptors actually made that playoff side year, did he? I can't remember now. Um, no, they didn't. Yeah, so it was like, whatever. This team's not going anywhere. They they, they had that one good kind of run where um, – when Colangelo won the coach of the year – but it just wasn't going anywhere. And um, oh, a, a, a executive of the year. Yeah, executive of the year. I, I don't think mm-hmm. Chris leaving really was received any. Like, I don't think people cared enough about Chris. Yeah. Were you in the country at that time? Yeah, I was. I was. I was uh, living right Jarvis and Adelaide. Shout out. Um, oh, uh, shout out. Sorry, no. Quickly I, I, for I, me. Yeah. What's that? Yeah. What? Would you say? Yeah, I was just going to say quickly, um, yeah. you know, I'll admit I was I was not heartbroken, but, you know, I joined the boo bandwagon when Vince Carter okay. left and took his ball and went home. But I quickly got old for me real quickly, and then we booed him for, what, the next 10, 12 years. That was ridiculous. And same thing with Chris Bosh. I mean, the, the Chris Bosh, I actually did hear it a lot. I, did, I was listening to a lot of sports talk radio. I still know of people that are upset at Chris Bosh because oh, okay. they, they think that he did pull a Kevin Durant, but... I mean, when you have LeBron James pretty much walking up to you, like the Terminator says, come with me if you want to live. What, what are you going to say? No, I'm good. Fam. Well, no, I'm that's play not here in Toronto. Thing that's, uh, hold, hold on, Jason, Jason, hold that's on. That's not hold actually on. what happened. That's not what happened, though. That's not well, what it happened. is because. No, no, it's not. Okay, well. He signed first. Well, what, what, what happened what was mean? LeBron was trying to get guys to come to Cleveland. He couldn't get anyone to come to Cleveland. Yeah, there were some talks about Brooklyn or whatever, but they really people just wanted to meet Jay Z. Like that's it. That's all that would happen there. Chris signed with Miami, and when LeBron saw that Chris was going to Miami, or he said he was going to sign with Miami, when LeBron saw that, LeBron was realizing he can't get anyone to come to Cleveland. Then LeBron went to Miami. Chris announced first. It wasn't. It wasn't LeBron first. A lot of people keep mentioning it the other way around. Well, no, the reason why I'm mentioning is because I'm believing the conspiracy theory that they all formed this pack during their dream team run. Where you probably, the facts are probably on your side that that happened. Well, I'm just, yeah, I'm just like, I'm just talking yeah, about I'm just, it then. Listen, I'm just, yeah, but I yeah. think that when they just, say they formed that pack, I think from what I understand, LeBron was trying to get guys, to, and it could have been those exact two guys, to come to Cleveland. For the purposes of my story, let's just pretend yeah, that LeBron, LeBron yeah. yeah, let's just say the LeBron and Dwayne Wade came to Chris Bosh, yeah. like the Terminator, and said, come with me if you want to live. I mean, what are you going to do if you're Chris Bosh? Say, no, I'd rather play in Toronto. I got this guy named Jamario Moon that I can play with. No, of course you're going to leave. And 
I think I have a really hard time listening to grown folks who are your age and mine talk about what these players should do, what their loyalty should be, what how yeah. we tell them to make yeah. money in the prime of their athletic career. Because, you know, last time I checked, you know, I haven't been on any of these guys LinkedIn, but I'm pretty sure they're <laughs> still not at Foot Locker, their first job that they've ever had yeah. and stuck with it Fair for enough. the next 15 years. So I just personally have a hard time telling these young black men what to do with their lives and their earning potential. Yeah. I mean, and it just, it just, it just, it just does not age well when you rant about, Oh, you should stay here if you know what's best for you. I mean, how are we even talking about these yeah, guys? I think start? Mm -hmm. overall, I don't even, I guess I don't think about the topic anymore. Cause I always thought it's kind of already in the past. Like, I'm just like, whatever. I mean, like I mentioned in a previous podcast about how with companies today, millennials are just like, all right, you're going to be an asshole. I'm just going to go find another job somewhere else. That's just sort of the, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. this goes back to what I said in the beginning, culture and people matter that Brian Colangelo organization, he just did just gambling away the different draft picks and for just worse and worse trades. So you end up getting from like, Jermaine O'Neal down to Leandro Barbosa. I know I'm kind of I'm skipping different steps, but it just got worse and worse and worse every trade. And then and it just, you know, the, that weird management of the team where they wanted to be Canada's team and they're marketing it like that. And Chris Bosch is from Texas and he's like, I don't care about Canada's team. Can't, Toronto, this goes back to what I said in the very beginning. Toronto had not quite emerged as like that global city and mm -hmm. not that cachet yet. And he's just like, everything mm -hmm. I'm doing, I'm making all-star teams. No one cares about it because I'm not showing up at ESPN or TNT. I remember that one year I watched, I remember this one year, I forget which year it was, they had one nationally televised game and in the Canadian media, like when I was living in Toronto, they're like, they're trumping, oh, the American media is covering the Raptors. And it's just like, it's just, it's just probably when you're like some star like that and you're looking at this kind of this, I don't want to badmouth it too much, but when you see that, it's not becoming, it doesn't feel like a winner. It doesn't feel like this, this has a winning vibe to this place and these people and this culture. So like, I think that rubbed in the wrong way. And now it's different when you have like Tim Lightweek coming in, Masai coming in, Drake coming in. And it's just like, it's setting a new tone for what that city is supposed to be about. So I think it would have been mm -hmm. different this time around. I think it's certainly different. I think I'd like to dive on, go on to number six at this point. Cause yep. I, um, this dovetails into what I'm going to say was Pascal Siakam. I got him at number six. Okay. He, he yeah. like his time, come, I mean, he already signed his uh, extension, but when it comes mm. again, like, he might never leave Toronto. Toronto's a great city. Uh, he's, it's a great city. Um, people who are from outside North America do appreciate that city. Um, it's, you know, it's one of the most diverse cities in the world. It's the most diverse city in the world by certain metrics. And um, it's a city that's fun and it's vibrant and it's energetic in a way that it wasn't in the past. And that team is being managed well. That team has a certain cool factor to it. So yeah, I could see him actually just staying his career there potentially. And and anyway, getting to why, because I just wanted to address like the difference with Vince and Bosch leaving. So Pascal, like he, I mean, starter on a championship team, contributed huge in that game one. Like I said in the beginning, I have great value, um, place great value on winning. He was an all-star and there you go. We just went through the six, all six of seven all-stars that the Raptors have ever had. The seventh was Antonio Davis, who I didn't even put on my list because he, uh, he, um, he just wasn't there long enough, and I don't really know what his impact was. And I'll be honest, I got I got him at I got him at eleven. Okay, I'll, I I I'll be honest, like that six was what I cared about. We'll talk about seven through ten, but I'll be honest, okay. I don't have that many comments on him. Um, but uh, like that's it. That that to me is the the six that mattered. So I made my list 
um, actually I have the exact date, September 25th, 2019. So Pascal Siakam had not yet played this season. Okay. Fair enough. Um, but I, but I do have Siakam at 10, but okay. I was, I'll, I'll admit. You, think you would have I, jumped him up a few spots based on what you've seen this year? Yeah, definitely. Because okay. I, I, um, he wasn't, he wasn't the pony that I was putting money on, believe it or not. I didn't like the way he got flustered with a few free throws last year. And I almost, yeah, you just have that, you know, I've, I've been wrong more times than I've been right. And I'm pleasantly wrong in this case. I, I love Siakam. Who doesn't, who doesn't like the, the guy? And I would love for him to be a Toronto Raptor for the rest of his okay. career. I have him at number 10. And yeah, I mean, Pascal at number six works for me, bro. I just, yeah, he, um, high energy guy. And when we talk, this is what I wanted to bring up. When you talked about those calves that got swept four in a row, um, mm-hmm. four straight, like it was such a bad sweep as well. It wasn't even like competitive. Like there are some sweeps which are actually competitive. Um, yeah. Cause what I mean by that is, is like, it's a close game all the way through every single game. Yeah. And you feel like, ah, oh, I almost had that. I almost had that. No, they just looked defeated after game one. And then mm-hmm. like LeBron, mm-hmm. Back in February, those Cavs had, I remember the BPI had them at like a less than 20% chance of making it to the uh, to the finals because of all that stuff happening with that Cavs, that first year without uh, Kyrie Irving and the Cavs losing by 40 and whatever's happening with those 10 per team trade, like 10, that 10 player trade. So like that Cavs team was struggling so much and it's just like, ah, but Pascal Siakam in that series, like, um, and I just remember he looked confident like he didn't get as much playing time he wasn't that star as he is now but he didn't look like he was shaking you know in the same way that mm-hmm. Jonas did in the same way that Kyle did and the same way that Damar did and I remember mm-hmm. when Damar was traded like you know there was a bit of like you could hear it in the comments of some of the longer time players who were like mm-hmm. uh, you know it wasn't really cool how it was that like you know Kyle was mad obviously and I forget who else was commenting but when I read Pascal's comments, it was actually kind of neutered. It was a bit like, he was like, you know, it's, you never like to see guys go, but you got to trust that, you know, it's, it's always about, it's just how things work with the team and, you know, it's for the better. And in my head, as I'm reading, I'm thinking, he knows that this team needs a change and that DeMar is just not the guy to lead that team. And so he's just yeah. like, look, I'm here to play. And, and mm-hmm. if you're not going to be able to win, then, then, then maybe there just needs to be someone else. And, he, I don't. I don't think it's any anything more than just Pascal wants to win. He's got a winner's mindset. He's going to work hard, and it was just yeah. He was ready to move on. So I, I think that he, I just see that in him, and I got him, at, and that's why I appreciate him. You know, and like um, so yeah. I got um, I got JV at number six. Okay, um, I had no comment. Okay, yeah, that's the thing. Uh, JV, I had I had him at number ten. I'm like you know important contact okay. in team that. It was doing well, but I don't have any real comments on yep. him. What I'm going to do, okay. is we're going to go through your seven, eight, nine. But like, I'll tell you because, actually, no. Um, I'll tell you my seven because he's on a standalone. Like my eight, nine, ten, uh, I'll talk about separately. But my seven, I have him as a as a guy who stands on his own. I have Damon Stoudemire. But like okay. for all the reasons we're not going to go into because we kind of talked about it in the beginning. But I just like all I'll like all I'll point out is. I'm a big fan of pioneers. You talk about a team that didn't exist, a coaching staff that didn't exist, a squad that didn't exist, an arena that hadn't been built yet, and a fan base that doesn't exist. And TV networks were so much more concerned with showing junior hockey than they were showing professional basketball. He's a guy that sort of helped lay the groundwork. And so I think that 
I don't because of the way he left. You talk about how guys leave. I mean, the Raptors they always have a history of guys leaving badly, and I really think that goes back to people and culture of how that organization was run. They just don't run it well, and that's why players would leave. And hopefully, it's it is shown that it's been better, and it will go better be better in the future as long as Masai's in charge. Now, Damon, um, I think like yeah, like I'm I, uh, I I have a lot of respect for what he did um, as a Raptor, so that's why I got him at number seven. So you and uh, it's funny you and uh, TSN's uh, Josh Lundberg have oh, yeah. him at number seven. Okay, mm-hmm. great. That's funny. I just think it's really hard. To I have um being a pioneer. What do, yeah. what do I have Damon at? You, you um, had him low, like a eleven or twenty one or something. Well, I had him, I had him twenty one. Yeah, yeah. So top ninety. Just just so everyone's clear. I mean, we pretty much have all of the same players. In the yeah, top yeah. I know what you're percentile. saying. I mean, the, the 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 scale. I mean, well, for me, I exactly. draw a distinction of the top ten versus everybody else. I mean, mm, interesting. Okay. Yeah, I guess I I guess. Well, actually, if I had to I pick a distinction between the top six and everybody else, I'm just, I'm really, mm-hmm. that's almost like a Damon, because you were there in the beginning, I'm giving you special mention in the same way that like gotcha. Washington gets special mention as the first president of the US, right? Like I'm sure right. like Calvin Coolidge, you could argue might've like done some really phenomenal things as a president, but you know, George Washington was the first and please nobody at me about Calvin Coolidge. I, I think maybe he was not that popular from what I understand, but I honestly don't know enough about him. Um, I don't know, bro. I've never seen I've never seen Hamilton, so you educate <laughs> me on U.S. presidents. But so um, that's never. Uh, who did you have at number seven? I've got <laughs> I've got my uh, I've got my adopted rescue. I've got Andrea Bargnani at number seven. Wow. And okay. And- Andrea Bargnani is kind of like you'll in- you'll indulge me for a second. Andrea Bargnani is kind of like a big middle finger to a certain vocal um, segment of the Raptors in Toronto um, population. Okay. So make no mistake about it. I know what Andrea Bargnani was capable of in his ceiling and his limitations. And like, you know, the famous Dennis Green coach of the Cardinals said, you know, they are who we thought they were. And Andrea Bargnani was you know, kind of like this stretch five um, came in, had a pretty good rookie year, had a pretty good first two seasons. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I think he gets vilified. Well, he got vilified when he got traded to the Knicks and then people started rewriting history, right? People started saying, Oh my God, you know um, you know, we should have, we should have gotten Brandon Roy and, and LaMarcus Aldridge. And when no one, no one, and I mean, no one, I, I dare anyone to, um, to um, argue the fact that Andrea Bagnani was not the consensus number one pick going into that year. He really was. It was not considered a deep draft, but, um, you know, everyone was high enough, I guess you can say, that, that you know, selecting Brandon Roy would not have been a scandal, but certainly no one bad an eye when we did draft Andrea Bagnani. Um, yeah, I just, I just don't know why he's been the whipping boy. For all these well, because he's not and, that good. I mean, he's just like he's soft. Um, he did shy away from contact. He wasn't consistent. I remember that was that one year he kept. So how do you how do you how do you score? How do you? Score, I got him at number, I got 20, 20, I got him at twenty two. So how do you average twenty points in the NBA if you're soft? Well, he averaged fifteen, but like, yeah, I mean, he had he had one he had he had one year at twenty one points. How do you do that if you're soft? 
I mean, like he just he didn't he didn't play like Kyle Lowry. He didn't play like Serge Ibaka. Okay, he, he just that's, like that's because he's that's because he's Andrea Bargnani. Yeah, so I mean, I'm evaluating as he is, and he didn't he didn't win again. I, I go back to it like winning individual accolades, being a pioneer. Like I got him in the top 25. I got him at 22. Um, like he just like but he probably he probably he. So so let me ask you this: Do you have Oakley ahead of him? I do. I have Oakley at number twenty. So Andrea Barnani won more than Charles Oakley as a Toronto Raptor. No, no, but it scored like more points. Ah, no, no, no. He didn't win more because because Oakley was with that Vince team, which people talked about as a potential contender for the for the finals. But the Barnani rookie year was the was the the Barnani first two Barnani years were the the Raptors franchise record for wins at the time. Yeah, I know. Good for them. They won those. 47 wins, I believe it was, whatever it was. 47 or 49, yeah. yeah. Less than 50 wins. I mean, I'm not giving you kudos for winning less than 50 wins. Um, Again, he just, he was part of that problem where Colangelo was trying to be like, all right, we're just going to, I think he thought they were getting Dirk. I think he thought that. I think that when. Everyone did. Everyone did. Yeah. So I'm not going to. So he wasn't Dirk. Because that's revisionist history. Like. You know, you can't be like, because I mean, picking in the draft is super hard. Like, I don't think anyone can really criticize too badly on that kind of stuff because anyone at that talent could really fall anyway. I think maybe Bernani, if he went on a different team, not the Raptors, like a well-run team, then who knows? Maybe he would have done very well. Like, I think guys like him, like Dirk, like they talk about how Dirk needed to be to be with Steve Nash in that organization that was really solid to help nurture nurture him, whereas. Dirk, I mean, sorry, with Andrea, who's his leaders in Toronto? Like, he didn't have anybody. Who's the veteran presence in that team? No one. Who's the coach? Sam Mitchell. Sam Mitchell would always pull him out after after one foul. Who cares about the one foul? Sam Mitchell, like, no good. Um, so Andrea, like, he's a victim of his circumstances. And then he gets straight to the Knicks, who are even more of a basket case than uh, the Raptors. And part of why it looks even worse, because the Raptors started playing better. And just, like, it is what it is. I mean, I think, like, Part of the problem is Colangelo didn't want to trade him because he just he couldn't he could not accept that his number one pick was gonna like flame out. So, the, I mean, I, I got nothing else to see on Andrea. I guess that's about it. Well, I, I just I'm just I guess I'm just trying to I'm just trying to round out the rest of my rant. I'm just trying to okay. figure out what part of the demographic you fall into. Do you look back at the Bernani years as because don't tell me you were one of the guys that didn't think he was a good player in the first two years because. No, everyone. But a yeah. lot of people are good player in their first two years. You know, you could you could create like lists and lists of guys who had a good couple of years, and then sort of so they settle into so the problem after that. The, so the, the big the big issue for me is there's people that don't acknowledge that he had two good years for Toronto and that he didn't yeah, have yeah. a twenty point. And but you know what? Hold on a second. And and there's people. Yeah. Hold on. And there's people that that think he didn't have a twenty point season when Bosch was gone, and that he was this complete failure. And and then and then you get well, the subset of fans. I mean, I mean, he had a good hold on, years, but the totality of his yeah. career is a failure. But yeah, but then you have a but then you have a subset of fans who think that oh, we should have drafted Brandon Roy. I knew we should have drafted Brandon Roy. We should have uh, and 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 it's you know well, no, what mean, really drove like, me. What really drove me. Oh no, Jason, they do exist. Believe me. Yeah, I, know, I deal not with them almost daily. I just don't think about them. I'm just, I don't know. Yeah, so, I, well, I guess this is, again, this is, I, well, then I guess my middle finger is not towards you, it's towards them, because I just have a problem with people's um, <laughs> revisionist history, and then, you know, like, hindsight's a beautiful thing. I would have loved to have bought Google shares in 1999, or 
you know, tell Tony Montana that he should not have gone in the Caribbean to wash money in Scarface. But no, the, the, the fact is, is that all these people who proclaim to be smart fans and they'll be at the water coolers, they'll be at the, yeah. um, at, at the barbecues, you know, coaching up people who don't really follow sports. I listen to these people and they'll, they, they just love to, for whatever reason, why Andrea Bargnani? I, I don't know. It's just, you know, started from Bar- Bargnani, now we're here. Did you ever see that meme go around? As if Bargnani was the oh, yeah, darkest period. Do you acknowledge that Bargnani was not the darkest period of Raptors basketball uh, history? The darkest? I mean, you don't think Mike... I mean, you don't think Mike James being our starting point guard was darker and Chris Childs not knowing this what was, the score uh, was? Before Bosch, right? Yeah. Before Bosch? Yeah, I mean, that probably was. Like, this was after Vince left. That was probably the darkest time. But, like, our Bagnani, I mean, look, he didn't perform, and I, I, it's not entirely on him. It's the fact that... But what, what's Piccolo, your definition of performing? Because we're, we, we acknowledge that this draft list gets... Pick, and he never made an all-star game. So, no, that's... that's like, <laughs> So that's the thing. Look, but that's, but that's the rabbit hole you're creating. So, so what we're doing is we're taking, okay. He was the worst of those selected first overall. He wasn't number one, 10 years. Pardon me. Even if he wasn't like number three, five, like a guy drafted that well, and we're going to, if he's being set up to make all shoot those points, he's got to like, there's got to be some kind of accolade and it never really panned out. Now it's not entirely his fault. It's 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 predominantly. I just you know it's called it. You know it's called it a draft the, lottery. It right? is the org. Hold on, it's the organization. Goes back to what I said. People and culture. I said that in the beginning. It's a theme. They just were run badly by Brian Colangelo. He drafted. He just wanted to draft these guys who just they were not gonna win, and they didn't. But he was the consensus number to, one, regardless if Colangelo was the GM yeah, or not. But if you know if he's the consensus number one, then he should have made an all star team. That's what I'm saying. Like. Like the thing is, that's not how it works. That's not well, how it works. Look at t- because and and by, by virtue by virtue of it being called a draft lottery, it's complete chance. No, the chance is about who's getting what pick. But the player that they're getting is going to be, like you said, he's consensus. That means he's a quality player at a minimum. Look, what I'm saying is, as they didn't develop their players that they did sign that they traded for, they just picked all these random guys like that. And just. I think Colangelo smelled himself a bit after that first executive of the year, and he just thought he could have his run until he ran into Tim Laiwiki, who just said, nah, okay, son, like, let me show you how we do it. This is how we win rings. Um, this is how we won rings in LA. And so, and, and yeah, so, when yeah. you see Masai and the player development today with Chris Boucher and OG Ananobi and like, like all these guys, it's not just that, Oh, I got lucky signing a, um, a guy who didn't get drafted in Fred Van Vliet. Oh, I got lucky. And, in getting uh, Pascal Sack and who played like professional basketball for like two years out of New Mexico state or whatever that college was, they developed these guys. They had an infrastructure in place. They had Alex McKinney, Mc, I don't know how to say his name, who was the, the athletic trainer looking over quite like it was a well-run team. Those Raptors were not, it just, it just wasn't, a, it wasn't the darkest time, but it's like the second darkest time in, uh, in uh, franchise history. Well, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's the, the laziest, time because we're 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 calling this guy a complete failure so so i thank you for acknowledging thank you hold on on a second thank you for acknowledging that you know he was consensus and we did like him for two and a half three years but when you do go down the rabbit hole of barnani the 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 goalposts keep moving so he's no longer the worst player he's just the worst 
selected first overall. Hold on a second. He's just the first selected first overall to play 10 years in the NBA. That's kind of like saying you're the least attractive of the pussycat dolls or you're the worst singer of the Jonas Brothers. I mean, do you, do you realize how ridiculous that sounds? You're, you're building up Andrea Bagnani only to tear him down. We're putting him in a top 25, but then we're, we're shitting on him. And that's what this segment of the Raptors population no, no, no. See, the is thing doing is, you, to him. No, no. Like, we're not going to do the top 200 because that's depressing. But, like, if you look – the reason I, – I didn't want to put him in the top 25. I, was, I felt forced to put him up there because I looked at Why? what our options were. Uh, we're not going to go to the – because because there was no one else to put. Like, it was just like, ah, I so guess – So you'd like, rather – I gave him credit for. You'd rather have JYD playing for your organization than Andrea Bargnani. I actually have Jerome Williams one slot above Andrea Bargnani. Um, but but would you rather have Jerome Williams play on your team rather than Andrea Bargnani? Pick their best years. The number one option. Their best years. No, just on your team. It depends what role they're going to play. I want Bargnani as a sixth man or a seventh man to come off like. Uh, Okay. And just like you know, shoot a few shots, and that's what he's. That then fine, good enough. Jerome, um, you need a bit of grit. Yeah, he's and your thirteenth man. Guys all together, but I just like he's your thirteenth man. Yeah, I mean, you know, he is like he he was that 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 team was a special team. That first that first run, it was a special run. I think that if you don't have a run like that in your first few years, you're a team that like may not actually make it financially. Like we saw the Vancouver Grizzlies, right? Like you need to, and so. Again, pioneers. I had a special place for pioneers um, who were early on. He wasn't exactly a pioneer because it was a few years later after they started up, but that trajectory of that team, he was an important part of that. Bragnani, look, not terrible. He's a professional athlete. Great. He's not even close to terrible. Like, I'm not saying he's terrible. He might not. It just sounds like you're praising him. You got him in the top 10. Anyway. Correct. Because Because he does have top 10 numbers. Uh, yeah, the numbers like so, uh, fifteen points a game. Yeah, I mean, like, good enough. Yeah, I mean, like, I just again, like, I wasn't looking only at the numbers. If you want to rank the numbers, sure, but like, he was getting number. I mean, it's like Monte Ellis was like a top guy in Golden State, like Bragnani. Because when Bosch left, who was the ball going to? It was going to Bragnani. He's going to shoot his points. He's going to get his points. Like, good for him. He was an offensive guy. He was a bit not that good on defense. And look. Every player on that team and that organization, they'll share a bit of, they all share a bit of ownership in, in their performance in those years. Like, it is what it is. Like, he was an important start. I had, I had written down, important start in the Bosch years. I had nothing else to write about him. Like, when I, when I wanted to make the, I basically decided to make a case. And I, and I, and I, and, I, and, and just to be, uh, I, I think I'm okay with that. Again, what I'm not okay with is people just rewriting that this guy was the failure that the meme would dictate. I mean, it just, it just, but, but, but these are, but, but Jason, these are, these are guys that are our age that grew up with, you know, Isaiah coming through the Raptors logo and, you know, they've seen hard years and they've seen good players come and go and they know what bad looks like. And yet it's, I don't know if it's the cool thing to say, you know, that Bargnani was bad, but I guess my big gripe and it's, it's not with you because, you know, I wouldn't do a podcast with you and vice versa if we were that segment of the, of the, of the fan population, but I guess I just don't like people who sell wolf tickets. All right. Don't want it. Don't, don't be that. Don't allege to be that higher level of fan. When at the end of the day, you're just not, you're just pretending. It just reminds me of, uh, did you you ever see that? Did you ever see that? um, I'm sure you saw the movie, but that scene in departed 
where they're grooming Leonardo DiCaprio, Martin Sheen and Mark Wahlberg. And they're like, um, do you want to do you want to be a cop or do you want to appear to be a cop? I have a problem with people who think that they're fans, think they know what they're talking about. But at the end of the day, they're just appearing to be a basketball fan. That's it. Well, like the um, the last thing I'll say about Brian, because I think we've given him way too much airtime. Um, <laughs> like, call me the president. Call me the president of his fan club. I don't care. I, I just um, think um, that, like, I, like, I, like I said, like I said, I, I was, I feel like I was forced to adopt Barnyani because he was this stray dog. The reason, the reason porch. he gets, the reason he gets the knocks like that is not fair. It's because it's in juxtaposition here. He was brought as number one. He had a great couple seasons. The Raptors started to kind of do well. People thought there was some hope that this team's going to win. He's going to be a huge part of it. He never really found that success. And then Bosch left, and he's and you just think, okay, maybe he's going to step up now that Bosch has gone the way that Pascal stepped up after Kawhi left. But it never mm-hmm. really happened. They sent him off to New York. I actually don't even know what happened after he left to New York. Like he just never. Oh, it was terrible. It was so it was terrible. whatever. Like people expect of a number one pick, like. It's not that you're going to expect necessarily an all-timer. You're not necessarily getting championships, but you're just going to give people that that possibility that, oh, I believe that we might actually have a chance. Like Pascal like gives Raptors fans a chance to think, I think we can actually take Milwaukee without Kawhi. Like, even if it's not the case. The fact is that Raptors... I agree. That. And when, when Andrea was the number one option, no one believed that stuff. So I think that's the thing. And then when he was traded away and the Raptors just start soaring, it did, It just, it, it hurts, right? It hurts for him. It's just the way it works. That's how sports mm-hmm. works. So how about this? Mm-hmm. I want to talk to you about 8, 9, 10, all in one because they kind of go together. I got Fred Van Vliet, Marcus All, and Jonas Valanciunas because to me, like I said, I valued winning. I looked at all the other names like we talked about down below. But when I looked at the points and I looked at their contributions, like I was just like, look, championships matter. Fred Van Vliet had an awesome, I think it was game six. I mean, well, he played ball mm-hmm. like after he had a bit of a lackluster Philly series, but from Milwaukee onward, he was playing really good. And he was really important in that, in that final, in that finals run. He was uh, the guy guarding Steph at different times. Marcus Salt, mm-hmm. absolutely critical. One of the best mm-hmm. season trades to ever result in a championship, I would think. Um, mm-hmm. And Jonas, I mean, Really pivotal, important, I had this, important cog in Raptors resurgence. Like, drafted, spent numerous years there, grew up with the Raptors. He came and was part of that, all right, Messiah's in town, we're going to be a new team, we're going to start winning. And he was he was a big part of that. He was, um, yep. I respected his toughness. He just, um, he was expendable as a, as a trade asset. But otherwise, uh, I'd respect him, I had him number 10. So, Tell me, like, I only wanted to say them together because I just saw them as a bit of a package. I didn't know who yep. else to put it at 8, 9, 10. Like I mentioned to you, the well, I got to me was it. But I was like, championships yeah. matter, and that's who I care about. So who do you, who do you got at 8? And if, you, if they are, well, I love, have a similar deal. But yeah. Yeah. Well, I love JV. As you know, I, yeah, you had him uh, I've made it my life's mission to – yeah, I've made it my life's mission to get him a championship ring. Okay. Um, so I got, Mark, I got Marc Gasol, Serge Ibaka, and Pascal Siakam. Yeah, um, yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. I should have. I should have had Surge. I um. That's a that's a miss on my part. I don't even have him on the list. I should have. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, yeah right. I'm still gonna publish it so yeah. people like can can flame it. But like, uh, 
You're hey, man, I don't have – yeah, I don't have Lou Williams. I don't have a lot of people. And I saw that uh, Josh Lewenberg of TSN um, has uh, Daniel Marshall on there, which you know, I mean, probably should have made on the list. But um, back to uh, Bargnani just for a quick yeah. second. Sportsnet <laughs> does not have him on his top 25. So Sportsnet, you are selling wolf tickets. Um, don't even <laughs> at me, bro, as the kids say. Um, I love JV as well, as you know, and, um, yeah, I'm happy with, with what you've got. And, um, yeah, I mean, Serge Ibaka, whether he belongs in the top 10 or not, um, I, I'd say, you know, and given that there's still another little bit of a half season to play that he'll probably be remembered as one of the 25 or 50 greatest Raptors I think so. to play, I think. I actually, seven, yeah. in hindsight, I would have put him at, uh. 10. I don't know if I can retroactively change that because well, at least I said it on the podcast. So maybe I can now that we uh, can, um, we, we can do whatever you want, brother. I'll put them at 10 and I'll bump everyone down. Sorry, Jalen Rose, you're falling off the list. Oh, Jalen. Yeah. I didn't have Jalen on my list. Uh, okay. So wait, sorry. Who did you have at number eight? You had, uh, yeah, I got Marcus Saul at number eight, Serge Ibaka. Yeah. Serge Ibaka at number nine and Pascal Siakam at number okay. 10. So you kind of in mind though. I did. Yeah. You exactly, and keeping in mind that I did write, yeah, I did write my list in September. Yeah, okay. Knowing what I know now about Pascal, where would you put Pascal yeah, if you if you had the chance to? Let's say you <gasps> change him, move Pascal wherever you want to, or keep him if you think he should stay the same. But where uh, where would you put him? Because you see the few names there. Well, I'd, I'd 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 probably move Andre to number ten. Again, it's it's yeah, my sure. way of gooning goons to have him as high as number seven. So I, I'd still like Bargnani at, at number seven. I'd probably probably put Pascal ahead of JV. Um, okay, like you said, JV was that trade bait, and I really did like his years here, even his Wasaga okay. nights. Won't go there. And um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'd probably have. Oh boy, Pascal just after Vince Carter? I don't know. Maybe, maybe. So that would be for you number six or seven, right? Is it? Yeah. Okay. So similar. Okay, we're not really mm. far off. Uh, no, we're not. We're just really splitting hairs, actually. But I, uh, I was really curious. Point of the podcast, learn... right? Pardon? Yeah, I, I just was really curious to just think because, like I said, I think you're more of the the sports purist. Um, I like to. I kind of view sports as a bit of like it's one aspect of what's kind of going on with these organizations and society. So like um, I may impart certain other things are not really related, which maybe it's not fair. It's not fair to necessarily group now affect, um, put it onto the players because they can only control what they're doing on the court. But I also, Mm -hmm. I'm also looking at the results um, and that's, that is part of it. I can, I do have to, to weigh the results. So um, we're going to, We'll post it up on our, our uh, on our social media. So it's at Bay Heights Pod on Twitter and on Instagram. And if you want to send us any emails about uh, any questions or any comments about this stuff, it's bayheightspod at gmail.com. And if you, uh, we know we open any feedback, please feel free to subscribe, rate, and review. Uh, we greatly appreciate that. Any feedback's good. Yeah, no, and it's it's not it's not that hot here in Toronto, but I welcome all the Barnyani heat. Bring it this way, <laughs> but no problem fighting that fire. That's funny. All right, everybody, I think that's it for now. Anything you want to add, Brian? No, I think you um, you hit it on the head there, Jason. So thank you again. This was a lot of fun. Cool, man. Peace out.
Yeah. So.